I really don't think he's that hot. You don't, right? I think that he's got a good head of hair and he's like skinny. These are two things I wish I was. <laughs> Look, you know what? He He's like the example where it's like, you know who else was skinny? Ted Bundy. <laughs> Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. We've got a bunch of announcements before we get to the show this week. Yes. Okay, here's two things. If you you guys, we've been lying to you about the live shows. We actually have another live show that you can still get tickets to this year. What? Where? At PodX. Oh my god. You guys, May 31st to June 2nd, we are going to PodX. It's a podcasting convention where all of your favorite podcasts are going. Mm-hmm. It's us, Accused, Crime Writers On, Bear Brook, Crime Junkie, Nancy, Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the Hamilcast. The Hamilcast. <laughs> Every show is doing a live show. We're doing a live show. You can come, you guys. Yeah. All you have to do is go to podx.com, get your ticket, and if you use the code TCO, you save 10 bucks. The tickets are cheap anyway. They're like 69 bucks. Oh my goodness. I know. You come see us live, come see all these other shows, come hang out with us. Oh, and it's in Nashville, P.S. Yes, it's in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And the very next weekend, we're going to CrimeCon. Where? In New Orleans, Knowledge where I've y'all. never been. You guys go to CrimeCon.com and get your tickets if you're coming there and use the code OBSESSED19 and that saves you 10%. And you can find all of this on the CS Live page. The other thing, you guys, we just changed our tiers on Patreon. There's, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I just so, got Patreon level. This is a big deal. So nothing is changing at the $5 level, you guys. You yeah. can get all of our bonus episodes covering Serial, The Staircase, The Jinx, Making a Murder, all of our bonus episodes, our extended outtakes. That's all staying the same. And so then we added a, a second level at $10 mm-hmm. where you get all of the $5 stuff. Right. And all of it. And in addition, you get our regular episodes ad-free. Ad-free, you ad say? Ad-free. So the, starting with our last episode, the Ted Bunny Tapes Part 1. Okay. Ad-free. It's already there. Go get it. And then this episode and every regular episode going forward. And then we added a $20 level. If you want to see everything you get at all the levels, go to patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed. Perfect. You'll see it all. Last thing, come see us live at our Pride show. Okay. You guys, the tickets are starting to go fast. I'm doing Pride tours uh, the morning of the Pride show. I'm not wearing black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go to our website for all the information, truecrimeobsessed.com. Mm-hmm. Click on See Us Live, and you'll see all the information you need to know. Yep. See you there. See you there. Should we get to Ted Bundy part two? Yes. <laughs> I need to never talk about this bitch ever again, so let's go. Let's drag him. He didn't look like anybody's notion of somebody who would tear apart young girls. My name is Ted Bundy. I've never spoken to anybody about this. I am looking for an opportunity to tell the story as best I can. A person of this type chooses to think for a reason. Possession, control, violence. There was something unique about Ted's brain. He talked in terms of a voice in his head. And this voice would start saying things about women. He had very blue eyes. When he really got going, his eyes went absolutely black. Murder leaving a person of this type hungry, unfulfilled, would also leave him with the obviously irrational belief that that the next time he did it, he would be fulfilled. And the next time he did it, he would be fulfilled. Or the next time he did it, he would be fulfilled. 
Theodore Bundy has escaped. Suspected of dozens of sex killings in Washington State, Idaho, Utah, and Colorado. I think things are going to work out. That's about all I can say. Bundy is acting as his own lawyer. What is unusual to see is that many of the onlookers are women. Are you a little scared when you look at him? He just doesn't look like the type to kill somebody. Serial killer Theodore Bundy has escaped once again. One of the FBI's most wanted men. He was charming, good-looking, smart. Are you sure you have the right guy? started can you please yeah, because here's the thing last we left ted bundy he's oh, this, i know <laughs> let's say let's call it what it is i know ted bundy was on trial for this murder in aspen i think bundy was the only case on the criminal docket that morning i thought that the court proceedings were going very well we took the morning recess as always so we went our separate directions i was out in the hallway smoking a cigarette talking to one of the deputies and ted was in the back of the courtroom where the law library is. And he was doing research. No one is paying attention to him. No, he's in the law library by his lonesome. He is allowed- With an open window with no screens or locks on it's- it. <laughs> he is allowed, and this happens throughout this episode. He is allowed to walk around without chains, without a belly chain, without handcuffs. No one's even looking at him. He jumps out the second story window. Because remember last episode, he was like training for it. Yes. In his little two by two jail cell. Here's the thing. I Google Earthed this courthouse. Ooh. You guys. Give it a win- Google Earth. I gave it a Google Earth. It is really high. They look like they're 40 feet off the ground. The video that they show from like the news report back in the yeah. 70s, I was like, oh shit. Like that does look high. There's a tape of him talking about how like he had to psych himself up. I remember psyching myself all the way up. Saying to myself again and again, you must go. He jumps, and he just, like, escapes into the afternoon. I feel like it takes 45 minutes for anyone to even notice he's gone. Right, and my favorite thing, so the name of this part, part three, is called Not My Turn to Watch Him, <laughs> and I love that. So there's a recess in in court. Yeah. Which is why he's, like, allowed to just, like, wander. So no one has seen him for ooh, a while. <laughs> a sheriff goes up to his lawyer and right. is like, hey, <clears throat> hey, girl, have you... Um, <laughs> In hushed tones. Because you know if you ask, has anyone seen Ted Bundy? He's it's going like to go crazy. He's scratching the back of his yeah. neck. Hey, Ooh. anyone seen the serial hey, killer? Don't, don't freak out. Don't freak out. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. I just want, just just real, just real quick, real, real quick. Do you happen to know where your client Ted Bundy is? My approach to things like that is usually pretty whimsical, and I thought that was funny. And I said, you're not really my turn to watch him. Not my turn to watch him? The serial killer. Yeah, like we said last episode, Ted Bundy, comma, serial killer. <laughs> also, we get a disco news watch <laughs> because it's the 70s and it's like, brow, 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 brow. breaking news. Good evening. But <laughs> there's this one guy. You can't, you can't just tease us with a breaking news and not give us I'm the gonna news. I'm going to do it. Okay. Say it this way, but he he repeats one word that made me actually stop in my tracks. And I, I'm constantly pausing and rewinding this, I, as I'm sure you same. are. But he's like, "This sounds nothing like him." But here it is: breaking news: Ted Bundy has escaped, escaped from the courthouse. Like he has to say, "Like no, you heard that right. You heard that right." Everyone keeping track at home: Ted Ted Bundy, comma serial killer, escaped, escaped from the courthouse. Panic ensues. I know. The minute they're like, "The bitch is gone." 
You guys, they know that he has murdered multiple people. You know who's also gone? Ooh. That sheriff who's like, don't worry about it. Uh, don't panic. But has anyone seen Ted Bundy? Where is he? She's running for the hills. She ran like a thief in the night. She's gone. The, the most Colorado-iest thing happens next because they they set up a roadblock. Because the, the idea is that there's only two roads out of Aspen. Yeah, which I was like, is that hyperbole? Or are there really only two roads out of like Aspen? Aspen is expanded in years following. <laughs> but there's only two roads out, so they're stopping every single car. Yeah. They don't find Ted Bundy. They do arrest nine other people. <laughs> and they confiscate 200 pounds of marijuana. <laughs> Even, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. But people just run. They're like, he's gone. And everyone in every direction is just running throughout Aspen, like, in the middle of the day. And some reporters, like, crouching down. Look, you can still see his imprints right. on the grass. And I'm like... So he's missing for three days. I love how they show the the time and the days with like the, yeah. the like film reel. Great animation. Yeah. Two days missing, right? People are showing up. Our friend Ward is like basically in costume. People are showing up on horseback with the bandoleros strung across their chest with rifles, probably half lit, ready to go out and hunt Bundy. The sheriff's department said 150 men and five bloodhounds combed the canyons around Aspen. They get the working dogs, hero <laughs> bells, hey pups. And so through the woods, it's like by day three, Ted Bundy manages to find an abandoned cabin. I know. And like takes shelter. He talks about how he goes in and eats. And I was like, that's rude, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy's murdered 40 people. I'm mad that he like stole their bologna. Also, who is that family who like, remember those two days where Ted Bundy like lived in I our know, home? I know. I want to find them. I know. I want to give them a goog. So now there's a sleet and rainstorm that hits. Again, Ted Bundy is an idiot. We hear him on the tapes talking about how, like, girl, it got cold out there. I got very cold, and I went into a state of shock. Three, four days of high altitude and cold got to me, and my mind got weak. I just was totally disoriented. It was like an experience I've never known before. He weighs 125 pounds. Uh-huh. He doesn't have any shoes. Right. He's walking around in the mountains in the sleet and cold, and he can't figure out why he feels a little out of it. Right, the high altitude. He's like, I don't, I just, I'm so brilliant. It's just weird to me that for some, I was a little off that day. Six days. Six days. So he's like, they found me on a fluke. That night, I walked back into Aspen because I was cold and hungry. And I just said, well, just to see what happens. And uh, a fluke, actually, they stopped me. Then last night, Bundy said he walked into Aspen, took this car, which was unlocked and had the keys in the ignition. He was on his way out of town, but for some reason made a U-turn. That's when Bundy was apprehended. No, it wasn't a fluke, bitch. <laughs> I feel like what happened was he hadn't eaten in four days, and he passed a Wendy's. <laughs> like, he's like, ooh, ooh, his mouth is watering. <laughs> so now, after six days, he's back in custody, smiling. She knows her angles. Right. She's being dragged into court. Right, and guess what? The car that he tried to escape in and then made the U-turn in? Look, everyone in the 70s, we have to sit down and have a really honest conversation. <laughs> the car he found with the engine on and the keys in the ignition. I know. Look. I know. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I got it back then. It was a big deal. <laughs> Honestly, what was happening in the 70s other than like the Son of Sam and Charles Manson and the Zodiac and John Wayne Gacy where every every state was in a panic with the serial killer of their choice? No, let's leave the car on with the keys in the ignition. I'll tell you what. He's back in jail for like five minutes. Yeah, he's in prison waiting for the murder trial of Karen Campbell. Once again, left unattended. He escaped once. Let me just, I want to, I really, really want to drive this point home. So December 30th, 1977, the guard goes up to bring him his like evening dinner, which looks delicious, by the way. 
Does it? I'm, there was a video of this guard carrying a tray of meatballs. I was like, oh, girl, I'm hungry. You know that, that there wasn't like live footage of the guard bringing <laughs> the food to air quotes Wait, Ted Bundy. It, explain, on episode 76, explain to me how documentaries work. <laughs> But so he like puts the food down. The next morning he goes to wake him up and he's like, Ted girl, where are you girl? Then we hear the quote that made me go, I'm sorry, what? The first of many times in this. There was a pile of books where Ted should have been. (laughs) New Year's Eve, 1977. In the Garfield County Jail, Bundy walked out. Bundy, starved down to less than 140 pounds, slipped through a hole in the ceiling of his cell and was free again. Ted escaped again. You guys, Ted got down to my personal body weight of 140 pounds. He carved a hole in the ceiling where the light was and slipped through it. The kicker is that the ceiling led to an apartment of one of the jailers, which was directly above his cell. He stole clothes, walked out like it was nothing, escaped for the second time. I know, I know. It's unreal. Here's the thing. How is he not under 24-hour surveillance before he escaped the first time, Uh and then he escaped again? Everyone just looks at him like you've been saying like he's not gonna do that again this nice sweet skinny kid i don't care if he ran a red light if he escaped (laughs) once can he get some eyes on the guy (laughs) am i crazy i I feel as excellent as this documentary was i'm like joe berlinger you're gaslighting me for four hours (laughs) the guard just leaves the food no one like checks on him during the day you don't have checks you don't have like bunk checks what is happening And the guys, the rage is back. This is because this is the episode where the rage crying happened, and I I just like I'm getting to the point where I just can't. You guys, the missing, the days missing countdown starts again. I so it just happened the first time. Am I crazy? Like pinch me? I don't understand. So day one missing. This is when it's really sinking into the community that there's a goddamn psychopath on the loose. Yes, look at my notes all again. I know. And now our friend Ward comes back, and Ward says this thing. I have it bolded, all in caps. He was this vicious killer who was just a complete and total con man, psychopath. And he was running around out there. People began looking everywhere because a serial killer doesn't quit until he's stopped. This is a great point because Ted Bundy is not escaping because, like he says earlier, like, I know I'm innocent. I just couldn't stand the walls. I couldn't stand being confined. This need to brutalize and murder women is overcoming him. And he didn't get a chance to do it in those six days because he was trapped in that high altitude and that sleet storm really (laughs) threw a wrench in his plans. He needs to brutalize and murder more women. That's that's what's driving him to escape again. So we see Kathleen again. Kathleen is back. Detective Kathleen, I love her. So Ted is now on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. Mm-hmm. And she's saying that, like, even with the FBI involved sharing information, it was a real challenge. There was no central database. There was no Internet. The FBI were limited in their reach to the general public. In those days, there was always a delay in between what happened and, and getting the story. And so Ted was just a legend in his own time zone. And we have Ted on the tape saying that, like, it's not hard to not get caught. All you have to do is change your persona. The FBI is expecting you to fall back into your patterns. Uh All you have to do is not do that, and you can get away with murder. So now we have the days missing graphic. Yeah. We jump from day five to day 16. You guys, this this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. I have full body chills. So we're at January 14th, 1978. Two women are murdered in a sorority house in Tallahassee, Florida at Florida State University. Most coyotes had come back from their dates and gone to bed. That's where the intruder found Margaret Bowman asleep. She never woke up. She died in her bed, beaten, strangled, sexually molested. Further down the hall, Lisa Levy was asleep. 
she too died without regaining consciousness. Still further down the hall, roommates Karen Chandler and Kathy Kleinert survived their attacks. Both were asleep. Neither saw their attacker. Two women are murdered. Two women have been beaten almost to death. And there are no witnesses. No witnesses. He came in. He came out. Nobody heard a thing. In the same sorority house. I know. They were all roommates. They were living together. I know. And so we meet this sheriff who's with us for the rest of the documentary. I love this guy. Sheriff Ken. (laughs) Look, I have a lot to say about Sheriff Ken. (laughs) I love him. Basically, he's the one who's walking us through this FSU. Right. It's it's the Chi Omega murders. Yes. At the sorority house. So as they're responding to this call at Chi Omega, uh-huh. another call comes in. That same night, while I was outside, we got a call that crackled on my radio and said, there are some real unusual noises coming from a duplex. The neighbor next door is calling in and saying, it sounds like somebody is really being beat up. And I said, could it be? Is it possible? Could the same person have gone... To another location. So this bitch made another stop. We learn that it's Cheryl Thomas who survived. The exact same thing happened to her that happened to all four women at Chi Omega. So Sheriff Ken's like, obviously it's the same person. So what Sheriff Ken tells us later, too, is that, like, basically Ted Bundy went and committed these horrible crimes in the sorority house, then couldn't help himself. Right, the compulsion was so strong. Yeah, he was walking away and saw, like, another woman in her home and had to break in and beat her, too. And they also make the point that Ted Bundy thinks he killed all of these women. Exactly. He wasn't trying to beat them up and leave. He thinks all of them are dead. Right. And one more thing about this. Yeah. There were now double bite marks on the two dead women. And that was, I mean, the visual of that, not only was he, like, beating them and sexually assaulting them, I know. he was biting them it's, so hard. It's such a personal thing. So, Sheriff Ken explains it as he would bite and then like bite down and lift up and then bite again. What kind of a person do you think is at large? Well, I'd rather say we've got a very disturbed, sick individual. So then it cuts to Ted Bundy laying on the beach talking about how like it's all going great. And just laying there in the sand and and getting a bit of a tan. I mean, I was super confident and was, was just feeling really satisfied with the way things work. He's like, I am living my best life. Hashtag blessed. Right. So now we jump from day 16 missing to day 40. This is when I kind of lost my mind. So now 40 days missing. We're at February 7th, 1978 in Lake City, Florida. A different jurisdiction, everybody. Yeah. Small town USA. No one locked their front door. People have keys in the car. Like, again, (laughs) may I ask why? Even back then, I just can't. 12-year-old Kimberly Diane Leach went to school Thursday, February 9th here at Lake City Junior High School. By mid-morning, she was missing, and no one has seen or heard from her since. She exited this building and walked across this basketball court. But from then on, the whereabouts of Kimberly Diane Leach is unknown to the Lake City Police Department. This is what made me rage cry. She's just gone. She's vanished. This is different for him. Like, kids don't seem to be his thing. We never get any explanation about this, but in this instance, he takes a kid. Yeah. I think he w- he was getting so desperate. I think he knew the clock was ticking. I think in some way, maybe, and totally speculating, like, I think maybe he was like, they have to be catching me any second, right? Right. Like, for 40 days, even for him, I have to think that he was thinking, this can't go on forever, right? Right. And I think he was getting desperate and sloppy and more and more evil. As it, I don't know. I don't know. And then suddenly, it's 46 days missing and we just get this shenanigans. He is arrested after a high-speed chase in Pensacola and he won't tell anybody who he is. Who is this man? 
he was arrested driving a stolen Tallahassee car and carrying 21 stolen credit cards, many of which belonged to FSU co-eds. He refused to give his name to authorities, and he resisted arrest with violence. He uh, grabbed my wrist, and we had a struggle for control of my revolver. After several minutes of fighting, I did manage to subdue him by striking him with my revolver and completing the arrest by placing the cuff on his other hand and taking him back to the patrol car. The thing that makes me crazy, he's on the FBI 10 most wanted list and nobody in Florida knows who he is. So he refuses to give his name, but eventually after a cop pistol whips him, (laughs) he finally, quote, admits that he is 29 year old, sweetheart, not on your best day. I know. That he's 29 year old Kenneth Meisner of Tallahassee, Florida. He has the the stolen ID to prove it. Here's my question. How did he get this guy's ID? Because they find the guy. The guy's like, no, girl, that's not me. I'm here. Right. The guy sees sees it on the news. He's like, Kenneth Miser has been arrested. And he's like, I'm not arrested. I'm eating my, I'm eating my wife's meatloaf. I, I, will, I will thank you to leave me out of this. The funny thing is, Bundy has changed his appearance to look like Meisner because we see a picture right. of Meisner. But needlessly, because we also find out that in whatever year this is, 1979, they, they don't even put pictures on the licenses. It's a piece of paper. You, you, you <laughs> like scribbled it down on a piece of notebook paper and was like, here's my name and my age and whatever. I'm sorry, but this sounds like it's 1735. Why did we not invent any way of keeping track of people until like 1996? I have in my notes, like not even a black and white photo, nothing. Can I say my favorite thing about Kenneth Meisner? Yeah. There's a newspaper article about him making the phone call like, girl, I have not been arrested. I am <laughs> safe at home, I'll have you know. But the newspaper has his photo and his name. And then underneath his name in smaller italic letters, it says dot, 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 confused in Tallahassee. <laughs> the ellipsis <laughs> made me scream. I'm going to send you a screenshot of it. It, it, it. And it's a picture of him just looking, you know, his yearbook photo or whatever. <laughs> Kenneth Meisner, confused in Tallahassee. Like, for Ted Bundy, comma, serial killer. So now, Ted Bundy's in front of the judge. We have to talk about this for the rest of my life. You guys. He refuses to ID himself. This person is on the FBI's most wanted list. I know, I know, I know. I can't believe it. I know. I can't believe it. Then his public, this is my favorite, this public defender is like, Your Honor, I know he has 38 charges against him, but we request bail. <laughs> and the judge is like, Girl, I don't know who this person is. I cannot even fill out the paperwork for the bail because I can't put his name down. So denied. Bitch. And then the public defender is like, Your Honor, look, look, I, I wasn't here when he said that he wouldn't say his name. I wasn't here for any of that, but Bond, please. And what's crazy is that the local news is calling him, like, Will we ever find out who this mystery man is? Mr. Mystery. He's on the 10 most wanted list. This documentary makes the FBI seem useless because at this point, what, six states have called yeah. in the FBI to help them? And then Florida's like, Hey, we have the same, all these co eds are missing. They look exactly the same. It's the same thing that happened in Utah and Colorado and all these places and the FBI's like girl it's my lunch break I don't <laughs> I want it to be one of those mockumentaries where like the camera slow zooms in on like the 10 most wanted poster right behind Ted Bundy right you know? <laughs> right yeah exactly you guys you know this was really difficult for one person in particular <laughs> Ted Bundy was traumatized about how people were questioning him Mm-hmm. and asking him things and accusing him of things he totally did and he just couldn't handle it. The trauma. <laughs> uh, he just needed a friend. Right, because at this point he is the prime suspect in the case of the sorority girls. Right, so in exchange for identifying himself and admitting, I'm Ted Bundy, ooh, ooh. <laughs> in exchange for that, he needs a phone call with Liz, the girlfriend who 
ratted on him to the police and said, you should probably check out my boyfriend who's super creepy and also named Ted. So we get this interview with Liz, which she describes like Ted Bundy calls and he's like, hey girl. And she's like, girl, did you do it? And he's like, I can't talk about it. Click. And then calls back again. (laughs) Right. And basically admits without admitting, like, I have this thing inside me that I can't, uh, you know, I think I'm sick and, you know. He told me that he was sick and that he was consumed by something that he didn't understand and that, um, that he just couldn't contain it. He spent so much time trying to maintain a normal life, and he just couldn't do it. He said that he was preoccupied with his force. We have to talk about the investigative journalism where they the, the local news goes and finds where he lived when he was creating all this havoc in Tallahassee. Uh-huh. And we meet his across-the-hall neighbor, this woman. Francis Massey lived across the hall from Bundy and knew him as Chris. What kind of person was he? Um, a quiet-type person. Aloof and friendly. You got out to dinner with him one time. And we went out to dinner once. That's kind of... She kind of thinks the whole thing's kind of funny. No, I. you know, I think that's complete nervous laughter. I think she's mortified that she didn't catch on that he was a psychopathic serial killer. Well, she was kind of into him. They went she out on a date. with him. And I think she's kind of doing those things. If you don't, if you don't laugh about him, <laughs> you'll cry. Oh, my God, I went on a date with a serial killer. I think that's where she is. And, of course, someone's like, Francis, tell me about that time you went to dinner. With Ted Bundy. And she's like, oh, I mean, she's on her porch. The poor I thing. Know, it's, I know. I think it's hitting her. Now everyone knows I went to dinner with him and I didn't say anything. And now he's also the prime suspect in the Kim Leach disappearance. Who's 12, by she's the way. She's 12. She's 12 years old. And the police found her body eight weeks after she went missing. So now, remember Sheriff Ken? Yeah. Sheriff Ken is back. And the thing is, now they have to figure out, now that they know, like, oh, it's Ted Bundy and he's wanted in all these states, now they have to figure out, like, what is the best case to try him on? Yeah, they know that he he committed all these murders. We've seen this in countless other documentaries. Sure. Where you have to pick the one with the best evidence. Right. So they decide to try him in Tallahassee, Florida, because the prison was really, 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 really secure. And Sheriff Ken <laughs> really wants to drive that point home. My goal was to never, ever allow him to kill another young lady. So we put him into a secure portion of the jail, and then we had three locks on the door. The traditional key lock, the big key, the jail key, and then two very large, uh, very, very strong padlocks. They, like, added padlocks. I was like, you guys, the last time you went through the ceiling, how about you just stand there all night? Right. Just put a guard at the the cell. Right. I feel like they had that, too. Yeah. I don't... uh, Sheriff Ken does not mess around. Right, right. Yeah, Sheriff Ken doesn't mess around because later that night, he goes to get Ted Bundy. He's like... Yeah. (laughs) Wake up, sweetheart. Surprise! I said, we're going for a ride. And I didn't go over real well. I believe he thought I was going to take him for a ride for which he would never return that I was going to exercise some kind of authority as the sheriff to do him in. They throw him into a paddy wagon, drive him around the block a couple times. And they take him to a dentist out of a horror movie, which is basically (laughs) any dentist to me, because that's a fear I have. It's very scary. Doors swung open, and there stood these three doctors. There are white smocks on, and behind them was a dental chair. And he lost it. 
There's like a dentist chair in the middle of a parking lot. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Just like with one one light that's like that's like flashing on and off. And they're all in perfect white coats just standing with their arms folded. Yeah. Like, Hello, Ted. Welcome. Ted loses his shit. He didn't know that what I had was a bite mark from the crime scene, which I believed at the time was Ted Bundy's signature. And we wanted to search any and all parts of his mouth, including his teeth. Well, he started screaming, you can't do this without my attorney. I said, oh, yes, we can. Ted, we have a warrant and we're serving it on you. And finally, all the dentists, again, like the Twilight Zone, just pull out their dentist tools. And they these dentist tools are exactly the same as they look today. They have not updated dentist tools. Which since is the- why I'm so scared <laughs> to go to the dentist. Mike forced me to make an appointment the other day, and I'm terrified. I know I have to do it. The things we still have, like the digging thing in that mirror, it's horrible. It's all, they're all from the, the 1620s. They're medieval, all, all yeah. of them. We showed him the devices that we could use as a degree of force. Then on the dime. His mindset changed like he was a different person. Then he's like, hey, hey, no, 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 no need for that. You know I'll give you everything you want. Like a totally different person sits down, lays back, opens his mouth, whatever you need, Sheriff Ken. You guys, they're showing pictures. Look, I freaked out about that. I was like, they're showing photos and then just gibberish typing. I was like, I can't believe it. They are showing photos. This dentist is not wearing gloves. He has his hand in Ted Bundy's mouth. Uh Ted Bundy could bite his fingers off. He's also not wearing gloves. He's not wearing gloves. His fingers fully in Ted Bundy's mouth. You know what? I hope Ted Bundy got a cold or whatever. It's the (laughs) least. I mean, come on. So the grand jury has indicted Ted Bundy. Ted doesn't know this. There's this bizarre scene where they're getting off the elevator and the sheriff wants to read this indictment to Ted Bundy in front of the press. It's like a press conference slash perp walk. And honestly, Sheriff Ken is super proud. He's the guy who got Ted Bundy. And he wants everyone to know about it. So they come off the elevator yet again. Ted Bundy is not in handcuffs. Nope. This room is so small. It's full of the press. It's He's full- pacing. And it looks, he looks like Hannibal Lecter to me. Yes. He 100%. looks like he is at any point going to lunge at somebody and bite their nose off. What do we have here, Ken? Let's see. You always say an indictment, all right? Why don't you read it to me? Mr. Bundy? You told me that you told him that you were going to get me. He said he was going to get me, okay? You've got the indictment. It's all you're going to get. Let's read it. Let's go. Theodore Robert Bundy, you are charged. Indictment. Two counts burglary in the... Uh, Two counts murder in the first degree, three counts attempted murder in the first degree. So the sheriff is reading this indictment to Ted Bundy. For some reason, Ted Bundy is allowed to talk back to him, scream at him. Talk over him. Talk what, like he's a woman? Him. Right. I mean, it's bananas. I don't understand how he's not in handcuffs. Or at least have like some big burly guy who's kind of like assigned to him. It doesn't make any sense. He's holding court or trying his damnness to hold court. And then he's like reading over the sheriff's shoulder. Look at He was like, yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that's a good line. Right, <gasps> I know. In what universe? And that's how it ends. That's how, that's how episode three ends. Yeah. All right, you guys, episode four, Burn, Bundy, Burn. Even when I read it the first time, I was like, girl. I know. It's Ted Bundy. (laughs) Yeah. Don't clutch your pearls for that. So here's the thing, you guys. Ted Bundy's trial is the Supreme Court has ruled that that cameras can be in the courtroom. It's an actual media circus. It's the first time it's ever happened. Mm -hmm. So he's being, the trial is he's being charged with the murder of the two women from Chi Omega, Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy. Yeah. And we meet Judge Edward Cowart. 
with a T. Yeah. Can we get some dinging? Yeah, hating him. <laughs> hating. At first you think he's kind of a card, yeah. and then you realize he's garbage and all about the privilege. A card. I like it when you talk 1940s to me. I learned that from Mad Men. I didn't know what it was until Mad Men. We have to talk about the public defender, Michael Minerva. Look. This guy, I'm obsessed with this guy. He was appointed to be Ted Bundy's counsel, and he's kind of afraid. When I first met Bundy, I had an opportunity to speak with him in a very small visiting room and was not altogether comfortable being at close quarters with him. It was um, a little awkward and uh, maybe a little frightening. You have to meet alone in a room with a guy that you know murdered 40 people. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, that is terrifying. Yeah. Minerva's strategy here is to save Ted Bundy's life. He's facing capital punishment. Sure. I wanted to discuss the possibility of trying to negotiate a plea bargain that would result in him being spared the death penalty. So I went and talked to him. I said, are you willing to have us negotiate? He said, yes, I can I can do a plea. But then cut to court and Ted Bunny basically just hoodwinks his counsel. He stands up and makes a speech about how he doesn't have any faith in his lawyer and his lawyer doesn't have any faith in him. It's my position that my counsel, one, believe that I am guilty, Two, that they have told me they see no way of presenting an effective defense, and in no uncertain terms they have told me that. And three, that they see no way of avoiding a conviction. Your Honor, if that does not raise itself to the level of ineffectiveness of counsel, I don't know what does. Poor Michael Minerva's like, but I was assigned to you. I didn't even want it, and I was still trying to do my job, girl, and you betray me? Minerva says it was demoralizing. This and is it, what happens when you represent Ted Bundy. I know it wasn't your choice. And in my head, I'm like, Minerva, girl, you're off the hook. I well, Talk about sit, quiet, sit quietly. Just walk out of there. Skip out of that courtroom and be like, girl, bye. The thing is, he tries. He tries at that point to get off the case. The judge is not having it. Judge Coward is like, I'm sick of these delays. But So this is when we meet Margaret Good. Look, I have a lot of things to say about her. Yeah, Margaret Good is the new public defender that's assigned to the case. Right. And she's working with Minerva. And she's like, look, I was just an idealistic criminal defense lawyer asked to do a hard job and I did it. (laughs) You don't like her. I don't. (laughs) I have some issues. We took the position that Ted was incompetent. He didn't understand the evidence against him. It's a basic principle of our law that you don't try a person when they are incompetent. I thought Bundy was very competent, very capable, and we did have a competency hearing. And the judge, remarkably, ruled that he is competent. The judge rules not only is he competent to stand trial, the judge decides that Ted Bunny can now be in charge of all of the public defenders that are representing him. Right, he's like lead counsel. Yeah. And all of these people who actually went and finished law school, there's the shade, Ted. Or his like lower... <laughs> co-counsel. He's running this circus. Just a side note, we find out that he has four public defenders. Four. Look. I mean, is there not a better way to spend those tax dollars? Uh, He gets four? One of them's a woman. (laughs) I can't get over it. I can't. Also, Ted would do like these really weird things in court. He was super weird and creepy. So he would like make these cases for like, I want better food. One of my favorite motions that he filed was a motion for a change of menu arguing that he had eaten the same grilled cheese sandwich uh, every day for the last five or six days and he just really needed something else. People would be like, Ted, the murders, and he'd be like, I'm not here for that today, girls. I'm here for I want exercise. The lighting is not great in 
my cell because, as you know, Judge, I am uh, running my own defense. These clowns don't know what they're doing. But I got this. The judge agrees with him. The judge, like, goes to inspect and I is know. like, actually, it's going to hurt Ted's baby blues. <laughs> During a noon recess, Judge Card visited Bundy's cell and said the lighting was bad. He told jailers, I'd hate to have to read in it myself. He then ruled that Bundy should be transferred to this nearby conference room. Those blue eyes can't see in that dank dungeon. We got to get him some better lighting. God, look at how charming. I cannot stand it. He's sick of grilled cheese. Actually, he's a monster for a lot of things, but sick of grilled cheese. Girl, you should be so lucky to have grilled cheese four days at a, four days in a row. I got to that part. I had to pause it and get up and make my own grilled cheese. Right. Look. Rapist, murderer, horrible person. He's a monster all across the board. He also, in addition, yeah. is sick of grilled cheese. <laughs> God. Uh, so then the prosecution, their ace in the hole is the fact that they actually did have a witness who, quote, saw Ted Bundy the night of the murders at the sorority house. Yeah, Nita Neary. They call her to the stand. The prosecutor asks her to describe Ted Bundy. Could you describe the man that you saw at the building? Yes, he had a very prominent nose, uh, a straight bridge that almost came to a point, not quite, uh, very thin lips, um, clean shaven. I commented earlier, uh, nice looking almost, if you want. She calls him nice looking. I know. I know. Look, I know. I'm not going to garbage bell her because I know. I just I have a lot of issues with this because she IDs him and she she does like a sketch. She like talks to a sketch artist and one of the prosecutors is like, "Look, girl, if you ha- if you put that sketch right up to Ted Bundy, the nose is identical, whatever." Yeah. But then on cross, she's skewered because they're like did you see his nose? Nope. Did you see his eyes? Nope. Did you see his face? Nope. Did you see his ears? Nope. Did you see his hair? And it's like, girl, but didn't you just say that you saw, like, I don't under, she was just ripped apart on cross. And the thing about this cross-examination is that this lawyer gets, like, props for doing such a great cross-examination. Ted Bundy gets up and fires this guy in front of everybody. Ted was not a well person. If ever there was a decision to be made that would benefit the defense or benefit the state, Ted would always choose the one that benefited the state. He loved the fight. He wanted to be caught. I think really in his core, he wanted to be known as the guy who did this. I think he wanted everyone to know he did it. And so now the news is talking about how women were just coming out of the woodwork to come and watch a trial. You guys. Can I garbage bell them? Yeah. Yes, right? Okay. Uh, Not only women, there are these two queens who are sitting front and center. The the camera cuts to them. And I was like, hey, girls. Hey, girl, be your friend is later. And they, I was just like, that's hilarious. It's all these women and these two hot gay guys. Right, I was like, oh my God. But these women, it's so crazy. These women were just there to oogle. Is that how you say that word? I, I asked you like a couple episodes ogle? ago. I'm like, oogle, ogle. ogle. <laughs> they swoon were just, over. Yeah, they were just there to like swoon over Ted Bundy. Are you a little scared when you look at him? Yes. It scares me to be in the same room with him, but I know there's other people in there. I'm not afraid of him. He just doesn't look like the type to kill somebody. Every time he turns around, I kind of get that feeling, no, no, you know, going to get me next. I related to this. I was like, this is like the original true crime podcast. The girls were trying to pass notes to his lady lawyer (laughs) to pass to Ted. And thank God she's like, girls, I can't do that. But if you mail a self-addressed stamped envelope to my law office, I could probably get you a signed headshot. (laughs) 
Can we talk about Carol Boone forever? <laughs> One woman who has been at the trial for the past four days and who frequently confers with Bundy has another impression entirely. Carol Boone believes Bundy is completely innocent. Some have called her his girlfriend. She prefers to be known as just a close personal friend. So she was a girlfriend slash close personal friend. She didn't want any labels. She was the only person who really was like a champion for Ted Bundy. Yeah. And she was an advocate. So she is just in all of the news reports being like, he totally didn't do it. Let me put it this way. I I, I don't think that, that Ted belongs in jail. The things in Florida don't concern me any more than the things out west do. You think, and those are the things. You think these are trumped up charges? I don't think they had reason to charge Ted Bundy with, with murder in, in, in either Leon County or, or Columbia County. So now Ted is starting to like really pull the shenanigans. He One day, like court has started and Ted isn't there. And I'm like, did he escape again? <laughs> <laughs> One of the sheriff's deputies goes to his cell. I guess... Ted had, like, stuffed wet newspaper into the lock so they couldn't get him out? He basically locked himself into his cell. I had to ask Super Husband Mike about that, too. I was like, wait, he did what? I was confused. Cut to, like, 30 minutes later, Ted shows up in court, and this is the first time the judge, like, admonishes slash flirts with Ted. Totally flirts. Ted Bundy saunters in fashionably late, and the judge, like, sir, what happened? And Ted goes... What when in the in the jail cell and everyone's no. like, <laughs> what? And the judge goes, "Let me tell you something, young man. We don't follow your schedule, sir." This court is going to set the time when we convene and when we do not convene. The court has already found you in contempt of this court. Be forewarned. I'm not tolerating any more of this. Is there any question in your mind? He's basically like, I wish I could yell at you, but those eyes. I know. He's distracted by him. And so the judge ends up saying to Ted Bundy. And this court is going to proceed on schedule. Bless your heart. I just hope you stay with us. And if you don't, we'll miss you. All right? This is Ted Bundy. I know. And the thing is, what made me so mad watching this is like when he was not being looked after and he could like walk in the library. It's like, can you guys give a shit about dead women? I know. For four seconds. I know. Like, bless your heart, he says. God damn it. I know. (laughs) So July 24th, 1979, closing arguments. Same old, same old. Defense says exactly what you think. Prosecution says exactly what you think. Exactly. After six and a half hours, the jury finds him guilty of the murders of Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy. And also, once again, this man has just been found guilty of the murders. He's lingering in the courtroom, no handcuffs, no police are near him. He has his back to the judge. He has back to the judge. He's talking to his lawyers. No, I was like, how is he not being rushed out of there? Yeah, so then we go to the front of the courtroom. We see Louise Bundy, his mother. Which is just crazy, by the way. Yeah, what's crazier, I think, (laughs) is that she's standing next to some, like, teenager in a muscle tee crop top. Like, who is this person? He's like her handler. I don't know who he is. Can I ask you a question? Yes. How old do you think he is? 18. Okay, then I can say this. He's oh, got oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was not planned, you guys. I didn't... He has got a body Still, for days, this he's, kid. He's the football star of the local yeah. whatever, of the local <laughs> enabling team of Ted Bundy. <laughs> you guys, a cry. I mean, like, I don't know, a I sleeveless know. muscle tee. I don't, I, this is another thing we'll, put, we'll screenshot and post yeah, it in the group. Of course, yeah. It makes no sense. Of course, Mike was so transfixed with like how enabling the mother was. And I was like, <laughs> can you look at him? I know. <laughs> 
So now they have to decide on his sentence. He's found guilty. The jury comes back and deliberates like, what What are we going to do? Guess yeah. what? The death penalty. But wait, we have to talk about the full on man crush this judge has on Ted Bundy. Right. So after this judge, coward, remember I was going to go from the T to the D, he's like, you're extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Then in the same breath, he's like, take care of yourself, young man. I mean that sincerely. It's a tragedy for this court to see it's such a total waste, I think, <laughs> humanity that I've experienced in this court. You're a bright young man. You made a good lawyer. I'd love to have you practice in front of me, but you went another way, partner. Take care of yourself. I don't have any animosity to you. I want you to know that. The judge is full on salivating looking at him. I don't have any animosity toward you? Look at my notes. Excuse me? And then just gibberish. (laughs) You want to know who does have animosity for him? Who? The family and friends of those 30 dead women. Yeah. Unbelievable. But like, even as Ted Bundy's walking out like to get the electric chair, the judge is like, wait, 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 wait. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. I just want want to say, because we had like... I just love him so much. It's awful. It's awful. So now we have another trial, the Kim Leach trial. Kim Leach, the 12-year-old. Yeah. So now it's November 1979, and we're in Orlando, Florida. So here's the deal. Ted Bundy got the death penalty for the Chi Omega murders, but they want to ask for it again for Kim Leach because, one, if you have two death penalties, there's, like, more of a chance it'll stick. And also justice. Right. They don't mention that, but I'm like, and also justice to make sure he pays for what he did. Exactly. You guys, he's de- he's going to the electric chair. Spoiler, Ted right. Bundy's dead at the end of this. Thank God. <laughs> Regardless, the point is, remember Carol, his girlfriend slash close friend? The one who's not so much into labels. (laughs) Yes, yes, her exactly. It's the 70s. Yeah. Keeping it loose. Uh, She is his only witness because once again, he's representing himself. So he calls- Because that went so well for him the first time. Right. So he calls Carol to the stand basically to just have her say how great he is. Yeah, she's like a character witness. Yeah. He compares himself to Jesus. Yeah. And then proposes to her (laughs) on the stand. Carol. You want to marry me? Yes. And I want to marry you? Yes. And I do want to marry you. <laughs> Listen, Ted Bundy is a monster. Yeah. There is something about the fact that it's, at some point he just decided he was going down and he turns this whole thing into theater. And this is when the prosecutor says he's just a piece of garbage in the shape of a human being. Yes, Hero Bell! <laughs> he doesn't deserve to live. Girl, same. I agree. You know, I gotta say, this guy talks a lot about the death penalty here. We won't get that into it. No. I don't agree with him. No, I. you know I'm anti-death penalty. Of course, yeah, yeah. But it's Ted Bundy. <laughs> I'm anti-death penalty because you have to be 100% right 100% of the time. Right. Right? Yeah. But I'm not sad that Ted Bundy's dead. (laughs) You can have it both ways, you guys. They they convict him in four seconds. Right. It's all there. They have a verdict, death penalty again. And Delkey's like, man, I was pumped. Man, it's the most Florida thing. I'm sorry. It is just so Florida. (laughs) So... Ted Bunny is now on death row, and all he can talk about is how wasted he's getting all the time. He's getting hammered, and yeah. he's like, I don't want to get like mellowed out like those goddamn hippies. I want to hallucinate, girl. <laughs> I like to hallucinate a little bit. So Carol was sneaking drugs. You guys, wait. We have to set this up. Remember the guy who, who the reason we're all here, Stephen, Stephen. the journalist? Yeah. He has the task of telling us how how Ted Bunny is getting these drugs Mm -hmm. and he's super uncomfortable. Yeah, he does it as he's saying it. He's like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. That's the subtext. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I I gotta say it, but I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. He has to say two really uncomfortable words. His wife, Carol, would take drugs into Ted vaginally and then he would take the drugs back to his cell 
rectally. Again, Ted Bundy can have contact visits. I get, right. He's like a doubly convicted going to the electric chair twice, but totally. he can have contact visits. Yeah. Great. We also find out that Carol wanted a child. Yeah, she gets pregnant while in prison because the guards were just like, there's Ted again. <laughs> that Ted. Just let him do it. The guards would look the other way, sometimes walk in on them, and I then know. like watch. It was weird. You guys, Ted Bundy has a daughter. I looked her up. You cannot find you can- her. Good. I know. Good. I, know. I hope her name. I mean, they say her name is Rosa. I hope her name is like something else entirely. I hope she's living her best life. They don't cover this in the documentary, but Carol eventually divorces him and like takes her daughter and changes her name and they move somewhere far away. Good. So, you guys, the bottom line, Ted Bunny's, as you've been saying over and over and over mm-hmm. again, Ted Bunny's going to the chair. Yes. <laughs> So now, you guys, it's the day of the execution, y'all. And (laughs) for the last look, Patrick, our job is to report, to talk about what the documentaries told us. Mm -hmm. Am I right or wrong? You are correct. Okay. So what happened is now all of these like FSU frat boys, they were tailgating outside the prison where he was going to be electrocuted. There were a lot of drunken uh, college kids there, uh, young men who were age 10 or so when Ted had killed those girls at Chi Omega. It was an excuse to get drunk and whoop it up. There was a lot of that going on. They have all these signs. One of them says, take a seat, Ted. <laughs> One of them says, Tuesday is Friday. Yeah, Friday. Oh, oh burn, baby, burn. I know. They call it, the electric chair was known as Old Sparky, oh. which is like a whole thing. So everyone's like tailgating and like chanting and cheering for Ted Bundy to be electrocuted. Oh. And he is. His witnesses walked out of the prison to signal Bundy's death. The crowd outside cheered. <laughs> And now there are all these like reports on the news that like the executioner, their faces are always hidden. But the whole thing, like people were reporting like it could have been a woman. And I'm like, I hope it was. I don't I know, know if it was. There's no way to prove it. But you guys, ding dong, Ted Bundy's dead. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, girl, we did it. Look, this was a t- terrible story, but an excellent documentary it was, series. It was excellent. Uh, you guys, just a reminder, come see us at PodX the last weekend of May in Nashville. Mm-hmm. The next weekend, first weekend of June, come see us at CrimeCon in New Orleans. Also, you guys, we mentioned at the top, we just added tiers to our Patreon. Yep. You can get all the stuff you've always gotten for five bucks. That's the staircase, the jinx, making mm-hmm. a murderer. We add a new episode every week. Yep. At the $10 level, you get all of that, plus these episodes, commercial free. Ad free. So from last episode forward. Yeah. So from the Ted Bundy ups forward, all ad free. That's right. From here on out. Lastly, you guys, come see us at our Pride Show in June. <gasps> it's going to be so great. June 29th. June 29th, New York City. I'm doing a whole bunch of tours around the village that morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, get your tickets by April 29th. We'll send you an email if you want to come on the tour. We're going to try to make it happen. It's going to be fantastic. It's the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, you guys. Guys, we're going to make our own little riot we- at our live show. <laughs> and you guys, it's not just for the gays. Everybody come. No, I'm straight. I know. <laughs> I'll be there. Super Hot Husband Mike will be there. Totally. It's all about like being who you are and being allies and whatever. Love, love, love. Yeah, June in New York City. You can't beat it. Come on. You guys, up next, (gasps) episode one of The Case Against Adnan Syed. You guys, our schedule is going to be a little bit different. Yeah. So you guys, we're doing this episode by episode. Uh HBO sent us the episodes ahead of time Uh so we can have our episodes ready. Right. HBO and Queen Rabia. I mean, (laughs) what is happening? So the first episode premieres on Sunday, March 10th. You guys, we are dropping our episode the minute it ends on HBO. Yeah, immediately after. So watch it and then hear our take on it. Yep. So our schedule is going to be a little bit different that week. Our episode is coming out Sunday night. Mm -hmm. 
And that's going to be the case for the next three weeks going forward. And right. we're going to do episodes one through four right in a row. Right. Uh, girl, where can they find us? At truecrimeobsessed.com, at truecrimeobsessed podcast on the Instagram, at truecrimeobsessed on the Twitter. Come follow us, you Come guys. Come follow us, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do for the palate cleanser. I'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it. You guys, we love you. We love you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to talk about Adnan <gasps> and Rabia. And Rabia, look. I can't. And Susan Simpson. I can't. I can't. I'm I losing can't. my mind. Ooh, it's so good. Ooh, you guys are going to love it. You are going to mark our words. You will love this series. I can't it's wait. so good. It's excellent. All right, bye. Bye. When you are working on a case that you think is a wrongful conviction, you're only on one side, and that side is getting to the truth. The day she went missing was just a normal day to me. It never hit me that something could be wrong until they found her body. The suspect is Adnan Musad Syed. It felt like they gotta have the wrong guy. If he did what he did, then who's the person that I saw every day in class? For years, I've been saying to Don, we should go to media, we should go to journalists, because they can do things we can't do. But nobody realized it's going to turn into anything big. Adnan Syed's story has captivated millions since the launch of the podcast Serial. Serial is what brought new evidence to the case, but Serial was not going to exonerate him. Now, 18 years after he was sent to prison, convicted murderer Adnan Syed heads back to court as questions about his case continue to surface. As investigators, we go beyond what law enforcement has already done. Failure to investigate more thoroughly is a major mistake. I never thought about him over all these years. This was a person that had a life. This is an interesting case, but it's people's lives. I know there are things that don't look good for me. I'm telling you, that's what happened. How could anybody think that he's being straight about this? That doesn't make him a killer. Makes him an unusual person. This is perhaps the critical piece to this case. They were going to follow that wherever it took them. This is a piece of evidence that nobody even realized existed. I want you to look into my eyes and tell me of your innocence. Okay. That was great. We really nailed it. Okay, because we just did a little a little singing of one last time from Hamilton, and that last note I didn't do well, so I'm a little <laughs> self conscious, even though nobody else heard it except for you. I'm not gonna tell you where she lives. My sister, they don't lock their doors. Today? Today. I <laughs> get her on the phone. FaceTime her this minute. Oh no, but is she the one who's in the military? No, different. Sister. Oh, okay. I was gonna say because she can totally hold on. Yeah, own. no, you don't want to. You guys don't fuck with Becca Hines. No, Becca, really don't girl, fuck with her. I would not. I would just want her to like me. Do you think she'd like me? She would very much like. Okay, you, cool. for sure. We are gonna talk about the judge in that yeah, case. Look, <laughs> get rid of this. I don't want to hurt her. I love her. I don't want to hurt her. I'm not mad at you, sweetheart. I'm mad You're at the judge. Yeah, yeah, I'm not mad at you, girl. I'm mad at the judge. I love you. Wait, while we're on the subject of, like, random things we noticed, I don't know where this is, so I'm going to say it now. Yeah. There's a, a shot of, like, Ted Bunny being loaded into, like, a police van, and all the press is following him. Yes. And in the background, you see this one reporter hit the deck. Really? Oh, <laughs> There's I... so many people that this reporter gets trampled. Oh, I'm so mad I missed that. I love a good fall, a good <laughs> pratfall. I love it. What is happening?
thing. I thought the same thing. First I saw his body. Then I was like, wait, he wore a crop top to He looks to like court? Vinnie Barbarino. He has the 70s big hair. <laughs> no, you know what he looks like? There's a movie starring- He the looks vill- like one of the three identical strangers. He does. But there's a movie starring the village people called You Can't Stop the Music, I think is what it's called. Bruce Jenner, back when Caitlyn was Bruce, uh-huh. is in this movie wearing the exact same crop top. Okay, well, <laughs> it all comes back, doesn't it? <laughs>